the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista. I'm Ian Collins. Today I think we're recording episode 12 of what we'd like to think is a little more than just some mild education. Crucial, in fact. If you know the drill, you'll be aware this series is all about the views, the thoughts, campaigns and ideas of one man. Dale Vince, entrepreneur and environmentalist, built his success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, an area he identified years before it was remotely on the political agenda, let alone dominating world events on each episode we'll bring you the salient issues from the biggest agenda on the planet right now the environment and climate change and of course dale this has all taken a bit of a turn and we established it i think in the last episode because of what is happening with coronavirus because almost every element of this feeds into so much of what you've been talking about for years yeah that's right i mean what's really interesting is you know despite the the kind of uh, tragedy and impact of the virus what we can see from it is that there's a different way to live and we can see these enormous uh, upsides if we start driving less um, you know flying less and all that kind of stuff i mean the drop in pollution is is incredible uh, the return of wildlife the cleanness of the skies as well as the the smell of the air you know we're getting all of that and then there's actual hard data coming out of america that suggests that uh, the virus in China has saved more lives than it's taken by reducing air pollution, tens of thousands of lives. Yeah, I mean, that, that's extraordinary, isn't it? So this is uh, as a result of people not doing what they would ordinarily be doing, whether that is industry firing up uh, enormous chimneys and goodness knows what flowing out all manner of poison or whether it's about car journeys, put all that together. It's actually saved more lives than those that died of coronavirus. Yeah, that's right. And it's obviously, uh, I say obviously, but it's visible from space. NASA published pictures of this a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, and the lack of pollution is visible from uh, from satellites. So, you know, it really is quite big. And we're feeling it here in Britain as well. You know, I mean, the skies are clear. They're not crisscrossed by yeah. um, airplane contrails. You know, people with breathing problems are reporting that they're feeling better, that the air smells clean. Because it is, because hardly any of us are driving anywhere. Mm. And uh, there's a massive reduction in the burning of fossil fuels, which in this country is responsible for about 40,000 premature deaths every year, which is hopefully a far bigger impact than the virus will have. And yet they're treated in very different terms. We have a, a COBRA and national emergency in effect for the virus, but we have for air quality, nothing. Actually, we're, we're in breach of EU uh, law. We have been for years and the government don't have a plan to get us out of it because the plan requires this kind of response, the virus kind of response, where we stop doing the things that we normally do. There's no other way. It's an interesting kind of juxtaposition, isn't it? Public Health England, which of course is an arm of Her Majesty's government the last time I looked, are willing to give out those numbers. Air pollution kills between 20,000 and 40,000 Brits a year. Uh, they've got that on record as saying that. You can go to their website, the government website, and establish that. And yet... The very same, essentially the same people that are, are responsible for giving us that headline are also responsible for doing nothing about it. Yeah, that's right. It's an abdication of responsibility. And not just that, I mean, because that's immediate. That is killing 40, up to 40,000 
people here. But linked to that, of course, is, is the failure to tackle the climate crisis, which is going to bring much more pain uh, than the virus or this air pollution problem uh, you know, will bring. It, it's going to cause the most uh, incredible upheaval to life as, as we know it. And not tackling that, having signed up to Paris, having committed to being a zero carbon country, these things go hand in glove, actually, because obviously air pollution is a byproduct of the activities that are driving climate change, is burning fossil fuels at an unbelievable rate. It's polluting our air and water and driving the climate change. Yeah, uh, we'll come back to a couple more points on this in a second. Let's just do a question here from Phil on Facebook. It says, hello, Dale. Uh, more important things are going on in the world right now, but... Do you have an update on the crowdfund? Um, I put £20 in. Can you explain, Lindell, what he's talking about and what the update is? Yeah, we launched a crowdfunder to uh, bring a legal challenge uh, against the government. We've got um, national energy planning policy in our country is about 10 years old. It predates those two very big commitments, the Paris Accord and uh, becoming zero carbon as a country by 2050, both legally binding commitments. And what we've said to the government is planning policy for energy is out of date. It's off the back of the Heathrow decision where a, mm. an appeal court made exactly that ruling that planning policy for airports was out of date on that basis. And we launched a crowdfunder to, uh, to pay for that. The update is that we've raised nearly £80,000, which is incredible. We'll be able to bring this case and probably uh, do more with it. But I think it's really relevant. There are, uh, as you say, Phil, more important things going on, but in some ways there are not, because we will come out of this virus in a few months' time, and there will be a temptation to get back to business as usual on the part of governments and big businesses, airports and that kind of stuff. And it's so important that we challenge energy policy. At the moment, there's a presumption in favour of fossil fueled energy projects, which is incredible. It's ridiculous. And we have to change that. There has to be a presumption against fossil fuel projects and for renewables. So it's really important, actually, that we continue with this. It's interesting what this is going to do to, if you like, the human condition and the way we do business as human beings, both in our own kind of world and families and the like and of course from a, a government level as well and there seems I, i'm hearing people say actually nothing's going to change where in fact it could even be worse because as soon as this is all over and the neon lights of mcdonald's and kfc and all those retail outlets light up like romero zombies will be straight back to the shopping centers straight back doing what we like to do best there'll be a spending splurge on all manner of things so I'm hearing that view, and I don't know whether that's some people just speaking about what they would like to see, but I'm also hearing the view that you're articulating here, and that is that actually this will be a game changer. In fact, even if people aren't considering it, governments will have no choice but to consider this. Yeah, I don't think we can take it for granted that it will be a game changer, but I think we have to uh, take the opportunity to to make sure people remember what, what we've done at this time of the climate crisis, how we've come together as a country, the scale of the changes we've made, the sums of money that we've invested to protect relatively few lives compared to the climate crisis, and to take that and flip it into future behaviour. Challenging energy policy is, is one important part of that. But I do think that... Um, Politics will change as a result of this because we've come together as a country and we've experienced this together. There's been a huge outpouring of support for the NHS, for example. You know, those those disgraceful 10 years of austerity which saw the NHS uh, spending cut, uh, you know, uh, to historically low levels, That I don't think that can ever happen again. I think the Tories, the government, are going to have to change how they treat the country, how they treat the NHS and the social care system and all those other things that really are the fabric of society. Um, I, I think we have we will get different politics as a result. 
another aspect, Dale, of uh, coronavirus. I mean, uh, headlines like, will coronavirus kill the fossil fuel industry? What are you making of that? Yeah, it comes back to our legal case, really, to change planning policy to a degree. You know, we have to remove the presumption in favour of uh, fossil fuel burning power stations. In a couple of days, the government are going to make a decision on something quite unbelievable. It's an open-cast coal mine in Britain. I mean, why on earth is that even in consideration? It's been about four years in planning, and the government will announce the decision soon. Hopefully they'll turn it down, but you you know you can't be sure. Because the other aspect of fossil fuels, big consumption that we have is through uh, motor vehicles. We can see that changing already. The electrification of the car and the van and the HGV, uh, you know, that's all coming. But planes are the, the difficult frontier. But even there, electrification of short-haul planes is coming. Boeing and Airbus, if they survive this, are saying that they'll have short-haul electric flights in about 10 years' time. And for the long stuff, we have to absolutely reduce it to a minimum that we need, the long-haul flights. But we can use synthetic jet fuel that is genuinely carbon neutral uh, to make that acceptable. So we can have a world in which we fly the distances where there's no other uh, reasonable means to do that. But we don't do it frivolously. We don't you know, fly to Europe for 50 quid at the weekend because yeah. we can. Uh, you know, there's a world in which we can take fossil fuels out of transport, is what I'm sure. trying to say. And we can take it out of energy as well, you know, the production of electricity for homes and business. Let's go to another question. Uh, Janet on Twitter says, found your podcast after hearing you on the BBC. Do you really think this crisis can help change the planet for good? I mean, you've talked about this and quite a lot as well in the last episode, Dale, and we just touched on it, whether human behaviour will say, actually, I quite like the sense of, uh, of change that we're experiencing, even if it's against the backdrop of tragedy, we would be able to have this going forward without the, the terrible reasoning for it. We could have a positive reason why the world looks a little different. Yeah, I do think that it's possible because it's giving us all the time to reflect and to, you know, take a take a look at the stuff that we used to do and used to take for granted to revalue stuff. And, and it is happening against the background of tragedy. But is it avoiding a bigger tragedy, such as with the data coming out of China that says less people have died because of air pollution than have died because of the virus? And if you look at the cleaning of the air over China, I mean, that's ginormous. What's suffering to bring this about is the economy, but that gives us a chance to question our uh, our approach to economics, you know, the, the view that it's okay to burn stuff and pollute the planet and to use stuff uh, endlessly in order to achieve economic growth. Do we really need it? You'd think this would be the, the area, this would be the thing, as it were, that, that, that did change people's minds. And I, maybe some people are uninformed, some people are perhaps lazy, um, other people just simply don't believe it. But if this can't, if something like a killer virus that's snaking its way around the planet, killing tens of thousands of people, um, and as we record this today, there's over a million people that have tested positive for coronavirus. If, if that can't change things, then one has to sadly conclude, Dale, that maybe nothing can. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, <laughs> what I'm going to say here is that I think climate change will if we haven't changed in time to avoid climate change, then that will change. It will be just like this virus response. It will be right in our faces. It will be inescapable and unarguable. And then governments around the world will have to do mad things to try and mitigate the worst of that. But I do think some of the changes that have happened in the last few months are going to be structurally difficult to quickly resuscitate. So today I read that Heathrow is shutting one of the runways. So they've just been and had the third runway ruled illegal uh, because of basically climate change commitments by our country. And now the virus has caused them to shut down one of the two runways. 80% of all planes in the world are grounded 
And um, it's going to take years, I think, for the airline industry to recover from this, assuming that demand comes back to normal from the people. And, and I hope that it doesn't, and I think that it probably won't. Uh, so I think there'll be some really big structural changes to how we mm. live, uh, behavioural changes really, which will which will make it difficult for the bad behaviours to come back quickly. And the longer they take to come back, the more chance we have of preventing it. Before we carry on, I think we should have a Trump montage. We have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China. We think we have it very well under control. We pretty much shut it down coming in from China. You know, in April, supposedly it dies with the hotter weather. When it gets warm, uh, historically, that has been able to kill the virus. People are getting better. They're all getting better. And the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. And you'll be fine. Uh, they can have vaccines, I think, relatively soon. Not only the vaccines, but the therapies. Therapies is sort of another word for cure. You're talking about very small numbers in the United States. Our numbers are lower than just about anybody. It's really working out. And a lot of good things are going to happen. And we are responding with great speed and professionalism. It's going to go away. Yeah. No, I don't take responsibility at all. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. This came up. It, it we came up so suddenly. This is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. All you had to do is look at other countries. The coronavirus. You know that, right? Coronavirus. And this is their new hoax. We're 15 people in this massive country. And because of the fact that we went early, we went early. We could have had a lot more than that. We're doing great. Our country is doing so great. And what's interesting, uh, just hearing that, Dale, is that um, America now has more cases and more deaths than anywhere else. I mean, this is, I appreciate it's a huge country, but so is China and America are not faring particularly well. I think there's probably three times as many people in China, actually. Yeah. And, and you know, testing in America is probably at some of the lowest levels in, in the Western world. So the true extent of the virus there will be much higher. Testing in China was, uh, you know, far, far more intense than it's been in America. I think Donald Trump started out, didn't he, by denying that the virus was real. He called it a hoax and then he denied that it would be serious. And he's made all sorts of mistakes along the yeah. way. And it doesn't look like America. Uh, it is the epicenter of it now, but it does look like America will suffer uh, yeah. potentially the worst of any country in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think his comment that, oh, we've got five cases, we'll get that down next week. Um, and, of course, that <laughs> clearly did not happen. I was going to say, not wanting passengers to disembark from uh, cruise liners because it would affect his numbers badly. That's, something, yeah. that's what he said. Yeah, so, that's, a, that's another stratosphere, isn't it? Alan on Twitter says, I heard you on TalkSport, Dale. There's no way footballers should be getting government financial support. Just explain for those uh, who aren't familiar with what you said, Dale, and for those who don't know, of course, you are the chairman of Forest Green Rovers, like any other professional football club you are at the moment. Well, not in isolation, in, in, the, in the viral sense of the word, but footballing has stopped, of course. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're in lockdown like, uh, like all other sports. Uh, yeah, I was on TalkSport and 5 Live uh, earlier this week just talking about this, what Premier League gets a lot of media attention in terms of what they're doing. And most recently it was Spurs using the government's furlough scheme for their 550 non-football employees. And that's caused a bit of a hoo-ha around the country, people saying, look, the owner of Spurs is a billionaire, he shouldn't be doing this. And I get that. Uh, the point I was making was that those 550 people are as entitled as anybody else to be a part of that government job saving scheme so on that basis i don't have a problem with it what it's not is um 
at the moment support for premiership players because actually the sums involved are so tiny compared to what they're paid i'm not sure they'll ever bother to do that so it's it's not the wage support being applied to premiership players it's to staff of premiership clubs uh, here's another question. This is from Charlie. He says, do you reckon we'll see a proper end to the current football season? I do, actually. My best guess is that we will, that um, that it's too important to uh, continuity to, to let it go. I think the hope will be that it can be played at the start of the summer, uh, leaving room to have a short gap and then start the new season at the end of the summer. That appears to be the current hope. But it all depends on the progress of the virus and uh, you know the success of the lockdown and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's really hard to say. Yeah. Um, and finally, Toby says, how much did you pay for those billboards? Saw them on my way into London one morning last week. Um, just explain. We did touch on it on the last episode, uh, Dale. Just explain what the billboards are and why he wants to know how much you paid for them. Yeah, somebody uh, somebody gave us about 50 billboards for a few days. And, and on them, we plastered a very simple message. There is another way to live. Um, and it you know it comes out of our our reading of, of the impact of this virus, you know, and how it's giving us all the chance to see a different way to live, you know, where we, we don't drive around madly every day and, and we don't fly around the world madly every day and that kind of stuff. And, and we can see pollution dropping and wildlife coming back and that kind of stuff. And it's a simple message to people. It, it looks quite eerie, actually, when the roads are deserted. We've seen some pictures. Uh, it, it, you know, it looks like a slightly ambiguous message. Uh, there is another way to live but we hope it has some impact the few people that see it we hope uh, it gives them cause for thought yeah and it is i mean everything's about awareness isn't it and whether it's you arguing with mike graham on talk radio you've had some dare i use the word some absolutely beautiful um uh, moments with mike graham uh, and i'm absolutely convinced that if you and him went for a pint you'd get on really well together it's one of those yeah curious relationships uh we, we do we do get on well actually yeah but yeah. fundamentally in very different places on the issue of the climate you're, you're back on with him at some point soon aren't you yeah that's right um maybe in a few days time because he's taken exception to uh, me repeating the claim that up to forty thousand people a year are dying from air pollution in britain uh, every year and that that's a scandal and we're treating it differently obviously to the to the uh, virus crisis and stuff so he said Where, where's the data for that and as you said at the top of this show that's actually government data so mm. i'll be sharing sharing that with him but yeah it's a bit of a kind of left right ding dong that we have me <laughs> but you know but but i like him and it's a chance to speak to him and to his audience so yeah and he's got a huge audience as well so yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to be able to speak to them look forward to the next one uh dale that's it for this episode we'll speak on the next one brilliant thanks ian don't forget of course if you want to subscribe to this podcast it is free of course and uh, make sure you leave a review on there as well really important last bit do follow dale on social media twitter.com slash dale vince facebook.com slash dale vince and we'll see you on the next episode zero carbon east off